in John chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, your paper Bibles, uh, I would encourage you to turn there. Uh, if you're looking at the version notes, you can also find it on the, the version notes. If you open the, the Bible app, bottom right-hand corner, it says more, and then tap uh, events, and then tap uh, Bethel Church, like Bethel Youth. And uh, make sure to save that event so you can access these notes. Um, and... Uh, you will find that the things that we've placed on the screen and within the Uversion app are some of the things that we feel like are um, the, the best things and the biggest points about the sermon that we would love for you to take home and um, for you to ponder and for you to think about. And it's uh, give the Uversion app or in your journal, um, you have the opportunity to write down things that stand out to you that aren't on the screen. Uh, maybe there's uh, things that, maybe there's questions that come up from something that I say or something that the text says and um, you want to have a conversation about that, I would encourage you to talk to your small group leader, talk to myself. Um, We would love to have a conversation about that. And hopefully we can come to some sort of resolution to that question. Um, But but, um, science has kind of proved that when you see something and hear something and write something down, the odds of you remembering that and internalizing that um, are greatly increased. And so that's why we verbally say it, we allow you to, or we show it to you, and also we encourage you to write it down. Um, Last week, we, we kicked off um, our Death of Death series, and uh, we discussed uh, Jesus' death and how um, it had to take place, of how Jesus' death needed to happen. Um, we talked about Jesus' death uh, paying the price for our sins and how it allowed us to have the opportunity at a right relationship with God. And this, we talked about how the gift of forgiveness um, does not require us to earn it, um, but it is a free gift from God. And so tonight, uh, we are going to look at Jesus's resurrection in John chapter 20. And many of you were here on Easter Sunday or uh, maybe at a church that you attend on Sunday mornings celebrating Jesus's resurrection and the fact that Jesus did not stay dead in the tomb, but he in fact resurrected three days later. Um, But as you read about the resurrection, you read about Jesus, you read about his death, from the outside, one could say that Jesus' life was just like any other person's life. He was a man of good character, a good teacher. He loved the unlovable. Um, But if his story were to end with him dying on the cross, being wrapped up in aloe and spices and... and, um, uh, I was going to say essential oils, but that's not true because there weren't essential oils. But like oils and stuff like that. But if his life ended with his death, that might be true of him. That he was just a good person, a good teacher, a person who loved the unlovable. But... It didn't end with his death, but it continues with his resurrection. So his claims to be the son of God, the promised Messiah, his promises to heal the wounded, to forgive sin and adopt sinners into his family were in fact true. His resurrection proves to us that he was who he says he was and came to redeem lost people. And Jesus' resurrection is more than just a good story. It's more than just uh, one Sunday a year that gives us a reason to wear pastel colors. Um, It gives us hope and a future. So we're going to read the Gospel of John's account of Jesus' resurrection. And let's stand together as Emma comes and she is going to read John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18 in the New International Version.
early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started or other dis- Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strip of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he, was gar- thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, have you, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned, around, she turned toward him and cried out in, in Aramic. Rabboni? Okay. Which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the, me- to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciple with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had told him that he had said these things to her. Awesome job. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Wow, that was a lot. She said when she looked up, she's like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> it's true. You did a great job. So if you were to read, uh, if you were to read all 18 of those verses a few different times, maybe if you were to write it down, you would notice that there are some themes within it. And if you were to summarize all 18 of those verses, I believe that you could summarize it this way. The empty tomb is good news. If you remember anything from tonight, the empty tomb is good news. Um, As you're well aware of, uh, there's so much information Um, in this world. Sometimes it's hard to decipher what is true and what is untrue. Does anyone else have this struggle? Or is it just me? Okay, cool. I'm not the only person. Um, The the other day, I I was uh, scrolling Instagram, and I saw this guy. He was uh, sharing that. He he shared this song, and it was a a Kanye West song. And come to find out, it wasn't a Kanye West song. Um, He took a clip of Kanye West's voice this guy making the video recorded his own lyrics into like a recording session and then dubbed over the top of it Kanye West's voice via AI and then played it back and like this this AI generator is able to take Kanye West's voice and um, overlay it overlayer over top of this guy's lyrics and his beat and everything. And so literally it sounded like Kanye West had released like this this song. And so on one hand, that's awesome, right? Like it's super cool that we live in a day and age that we can do these sorts of things. Um, but 
uh, it's also really frustrating because it's already uh, it's already hard to decipher um, what is what is true. Um, And you could say the same thing about getting um, news from social media accounts. Uh, There's so much satire that I have a difficulty knowing what's actually true. Like, I look at this Instagram post and I'm like, I don't know if I should believe this right now. Like, it sounds just enough ridiculous to be untrue, but it sounds true enough um, to be true. And uh, this should cause us to pause. Like, it should cause us to think about what we are reading. It should start to build our muscles of discernment of what is true and untrue. And with this wealth of information and misinformation, it can sometimes be challenging uh, to read a portion of the Bible like what we just read and believe that it's true. We believe the resurrection to be a real event that took place that's recorded in the Bible. So it's recorded in in biblical and extra biblical history. We believe that what the Bible records is inspired by God and is authoritative. However, the point of this sermon um, is not to argue for the truth of the resurrection, but rather to explain what it meant to the for these people and how it impacted their life. And so at the beginning of this text, we see a woman walking to the tomb where Jesus was buried. Uh, Most likely, this woman was not in a very good mood. The one who had delivered her from seven demons, as recorded in Luke chapter 8, had been brutally killed three days earlier. And Jesus saved this woman's life, and she was grieving his loss. And when you read the account of Jesus' resurrection in the other Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you will find that Mary is joined by other women. And um, hear me out, these are not contradictions. Um, These accounts were written from different perspectives and were included different details. And in this case, Mary Magdalene does say in verse 2, we don't know where they have taken the body. And this hints to that Mary was not the only one present at the resurrection. Um, And according to Luke chapter 24, these women most likely went to the tomb to finish the burial rituals. Um, When Jesus was crucified, it was close to the time of preparation um, for them for the Sabbath. And so they had to rush to get Jesus off of the cross and to prepare him to be to be buried. And so being in this rush, it's Sunday morning, and um, they were bringing spices and perfume to finish the process, the burial process. And when she reaches the tomb, she finds that the stone had been rolled away and Jesus was not in the tomb. So let's read verses 2 and 3 again. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. The interesting thing is, is if we were to read John chapter 12, John chapter 13, or chapter 16, and many other places in the Gospels, we will see that Jesus is recorded telling his disciples that, one, he would be killed, and two, he would rise again, and then he would go to be with the Father in heaven. Jesus talked about his death and his resurrection on many occasions, but if you were to read these accounts, in those conversations, you can see the disciples' reaction. You can read the disciples' responses. Um, Oftentimes, they were filled with confusion. They asked Jesus the same questions over and over again, and they were filled with doubt. 
And I don't blame them for experiencing those things either. And here's the thing. We experience similar things. Um, We hear of something that someone will do, but we don't actually think that that person will carry that out. So then when we find out that they did what they said they were going to do, what do we go to do? We go to see for ourselves. Like he said that they were going to spray paint the wall at the school, and we're like, we heard that he did it. Yeah, I guess it could be a she too. I guess girls can spray paint walls as well. I guess girls can be delinquents as well. But, um, and so what do we do? We go and we see, like, what did they tag on the wall? Um, this is, might be what they're thinking as they're running to the tomb. Like, they're recalling all these things that Jesus said. Like, okay, he said he was going to die. That happened. He said he was going resur- to raise from the dead. And apparently, there's no one in the tomb. So verses 6 through 10, let's read it again. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Verse 9, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And verse 10, then the disciples went back to where they were staying. One thing that's interesting about all of this is in verse 9. John says that they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So what they saw with their eyes caused them to believe that the resurrection had occurred. But verse 9 implies that they didn't understand in their hearts what the resurrection meant for them and humanity. So they saw these linen cloths neatly folded on the bench where Jesus had been laid. They saw that no one could have stolen the body because the way that people were buried in this time period, um, they uh, were wrapped up super tight with different layers of oils and aloes and spices and perfumes. And um, stealing bodies in this time period was super common. It was a regular thing that took place. And when people stole bodies, they did not meticulously unwrap people. Um, they did not unwrap them of all of their burial things and then just take the person out of the tomb. No, they took the person wrappings and all. And so these these linens and these cloths were, were f- neatly folded and just sitting there. Um, John said that they were folded in their place. They saw and were convinced, but what did his resurrection mean for them and their spirituality? One commentator put it this way. He says, the resurrection means that Jesus was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection means that we have the assurance of our own resurrection, The resurrection means that God has an eternal plan for these bodies of ours. The resurrection means that Christianity and its God are unique and completely different from other world religions. The resurrection proves that though it looked like Jesus died on the cross as a common criminal, he died as a sinless man out of love and self-sacrifice to bear the guilt of our sin. That same commentator said this, the death of Jesus on the cross was the payment, but the resurrection was the receipt, showing the payment was perfect in the sight of God the Father. And so this is the power of the resurrection that the disciples would later understand. 
Let's read verses 11 through 13. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. So Mary stayed at the tomb while Peter and John returned to where they were staying to tell the other disciples about what they saw. And we clearly, as we read this, we can see that Mary is still troubled. And she went back to the entrance to look again. But this time when she peered in, she, she bent over to look inside the tomb. She saw two angels sitting where Jesus was buried. And so they were, they were still trying to figure out where Jesus was and how she could go get him. There was still this, this gap of unbelief and trying to figure out where did they take him, where was he. Verse 14, at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will, greet, I will get him. So what we see here is, is Jesus says to Mary, says woman, this is not like an American 21st century woman. Like that's not what it is. Um, Jesus is giving uh, Mary a customary greeting in this time period. It would have been the equivalent to like sir or ma'am in our culture. And we don't know why Mary didn't recognize Jesus, um, but what he said next filled in all of the gaps for her. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So Jesus extends a personal and powerful call to Mary. It was the utterance of her name that she recognized Jesus. Think about the comfort that must have fallen over her in that moment. Knowing that Jesus was present, knowing that Jesus was there in the midst of her hopelessness. If you've ever been lost um, in a store as a kid, you know that feeling. You know what it feels like to, to not be next to your parents and to feel like unsafe and fearful. One time I was lost in a Goodwill and um, I was small enough that I couldn't see over the racks, and, which I guess you'd have to be pretty old to see over the racks in Goodwill. Anyways, um, I couldn't see my parents, and I started freaking out. I, I remember, like, trying to, to weave through all of the racks and trying to find where my mom and dad were. And there's this sense of, of, un, of feeling unsafe when you're not next to your parents and you're a, a little kid. Um, but after a few minutes, there's this sense of relief when you find them. Because there's this sense of, I'm safe. My parents are going to take care of me. No one's going to grab me. No one's going to take me out of goodwill. And I can imagine that this is what Mary was feeling. The most relief that she may have ever felt, aside from being cast out, uh, seven demons being cast out of her. Verse 17 says, Jesus said, Don't, Do not hold on to me, for I have yet, not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Jesus is telling her not to cling to him as if she's never going to see him again. He says that he hasn't yet ascended to his Father. So instead of latching on to him, go and tell everyone about what you have witnessed. 
And John closes in verse 18. He says, Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So as we wrap up, I want to kind of explain verse 18. Band's going to come up. We're going to respond in just a few few moments. But in the first century, uh, women were not considered reliable court witnesses. I know it doesn't seem fair, and it's not fair, but in this, in this time period, women um, could not give testimony um, in, a, in a court of law. Uh, lawyers and judges, they would not um, accept their testimony. But Jesus, on the other hand, had a drastically different view of women. A woman is the first witness of the resurrection and is responsible for telling others about what she has seen. I want to encourage you with this. Jesus calls you by name tonight. He sees where you are. He sees your grief and wants to instill you with hope. He wants to remind you that he has put death to death and that there is hope in the resurrection. And over the next few weeks, um, starting next week, uh, Kaylee is going to be um, taking these next chunk of verses Um, And we are going to see the hope of the resurrection and how that impacted the people closest to Jesus. So if you were to summarize everything that was said um, and summarize everything in this text, I think you could summarize it this way. Jesus' resurrection gives hope to the hopeless. So as we come to a close, I want to... We want to, as a team, want to give you an opportunity to reflect on the text. Um, we want to give you an opportunity to reflect on um, the things that maybe have stood out to you about the passage or maybe something that was said. Um, we want to encourage you, if you want to pray uh, with a youth leader, to do that. If you want to stay um, where you're at um, and reflect and write down what Jesus has done for you in your life, or maybe you want to sing along with the song that the band is going to be leading, but we want to give you some some different opportunities to reflect and to respond with what maybe the Holy Spirit is is speaking to your heart tonight. So I want to pray, and then we're just going to stand together, and then you can reflect and respond how you um, see necessary. And like every week, um, it's not a time to be uh, messing around with your friends or texting people or doing things. This is an opportunity for you um, individually to reflect on what the Lord is speaking into your heart. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll do that. Jesus, we thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the hope that it brings. We thank you for the the peace that it brings, that you overcame death, sin, and the grave. And so, Lord, I pray that over the next few moments, as, as a group, as we reflect on what you have done for us, as we think about the things that you have done in our life, and as we write those things down, would you bring to mind the hope that you've given to us? Lord, I pray for students as they're just wrestling with things in their heart. Would you give them peace? Would you remind them that you are with them and that you love them? And it's in your name we pray. Amen.